Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, May 21st. On today's episode of the Roundup, we're going to talk about how we can keep digital health technology from going off the rails. As you know, the number and types of digital health tech are exploding, along with venture capital funding of those new technologies. The challenge is making sure those new technologies help patients without suppressing market-driven innovation. So today on the Roundup, we're going to talk about three new, albeit different, approaches to do just that. The MITRE Corporation released a draft national strategy for digital health. The American Medical Association released a value framework for virtual care. And HHS's Office of the National Coordinator for Health Information Technology announced its new Health Interoperability Outcomes 2030 initiative. To tell us how these three things try to tame the digital health wild west are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital. Hey, Dave. Hey, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? I'm nervous. Digital tech is Julie's area of deep, almost unmatched expertise. I'm just hoping to hold my own today, Dave. <laughs> All right, Julie, you going to go easy on them? Honestly, it's anyone's guess what's going on in the digital health market right now because it's just not acting like a normal market. So this should be fun. Good. Now, before we talk about taming the digital health wild west, let's talk about your latest health apps. Dave, have you downloaded any new health apps on your phone recently? And if so, uh, how do you like them? Not any new ones, Dave. I'm still addicted to my Apple Watch and seem to have an almost incessant need to close my three activity rings every day. Not to worry, it's nothing that intense psychotherapy over a prolonged period can't fix. <laughs> All right, maybe you need a mental health app. All right, thanks, Dave. Julie, how about you? Any any new health app icons on your phone or tablet? Well, I agree with maybe the mental health app, but I haven't gotten there yet. So my two favorite apps, because I can't just have one, I consider Orange Theory a health app and I have their heart rate monitor and I get an immediate report of my workout every time I use it. It's amazing. Although I wish they didn't sell me hardware, I'd much rather have them sync in with my normal device. And then second, I have been doing Verda for six or eight months and I have a health coach and I love her and she checks in on me. So it feels like the quantitative analysis of your blood and body and all that keeps you honest. I'm a big fan. Oh, very cool. I did add a few more heart rate apps on my phone. None of them work particularly well. So when I feel my heart racing, I use them all and come up with an average pulse rate. So nice work. And usually by the time I figure out the average, my heart rate is back to normal. So I guess it, I guess it helps. Math is a cure, right? All right. Let's talk about these three new initiatives. Dave, give us a high-level overview of uh, MITRE's national strategy for digital health and what challenges uh, it's trying to overcome. MITRE has issued a big almost Broadway musical-like call to arms for a national digital health strategy. The report's cadence and feel reminds me of the epic song, Climb Every Mountain, from The Sound of Music. The refrain was, climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow till you find your dream. MITRE's dream is a digital health ecosystem that empowers all people and populations in managing their health and well-being. A sense of extreme urgency flows through the report. Here's how MITRE characterizes 
the current moment and opportunity, we now have the technology necessary to make sure every resident has the information they need to make the right choices for their health and the health of their families. We have the ability to instantaneously share data and evidence-based treatments around the world. To seize this moment, we must have a national strategy for digital health that identifies a set of national priorities and guides the government and industry toward common goals. I don't disagree with them at all. This decade should be the roaring 2020s for digital health tech. So how do we get there? MITRE suggests six strategic goals for establishing the right priorities and standards to guide the marketplace in creating an expansive, effective, and equitable digital health ecosystem. They support each of these goals with detailed objectives and timelines. So here they are. Number one, accessible, affordable, universal broadband access. No more digital deserts. Digital health will lift all people. Number two, a sustainable health workforce that applies health tech to deliver person-centric, integrated, high-quality care. This is where human-machine collaboration reaches its pinnacle. Number three, each individual should own their health data with a national patient identifier and have access to technologies that enable safe and secure management of that data. No more silos, full portability. Number four, health data should be fully interoperable and flow freely to the people and places where it can have the biggest impact. Number five, data inform public health decision-making and action. Imagine how much better our pandemic responsiveness could have been with accurate, informed, and real-time data and analytics. Last one, universal standards for data privacy, interoperability, and national health security. If government can get the priorities and standards right, private industry can do the rest. In some, when it comes to digital health tech, MITRE is saying, you got to be bold, you got to be smart, you got to get it together, then health tech will come and save the day. Thanks, Dave. Well done. Julie, uh, tell us about the AMA's virtual care framework and what it seeks to accomplish. Well, I think the AMA sees the writing on the wall that virtual care is, you know, it's here to stay. And they want to bring physician voices into this discussion and, frankly, the real-world perspective that they bring to really help shape and support digital health innovation. So they've done a lot of work here with my old firm, Manat Health, which is great. And they created what they're calling the Return on Health Initiative and a proposed framework to measure the value of virtual care. And I really appreciate what they've done because this return on health framework moves beyond just the pure financial return and offers six additional ways to realize value. So it adds to the table of ROI, clinical outcome, quality and safety, access to care, patient and family experience, clinician experience, financial and operational impact, and health equity. So it's taking a much broader look at how do you get a return on health, a return on investment for all this virtual care work. And the framework also very wisely recognizes that there's no one-size-fits-all approach. So it incorporates what they're calling environmental variables that really look at the difference in side of care, et cetera. So those variables are practice type, payment arrangements, patient population, clinical use case, and virtual care modality. 
So this is no simple framework, that's for sure. But they do include some great and illustrative case studies from early adopters like Virginia Commonwealth, Oshner, Mass General, and even a newcomer like CityBlock. So really great depth. And then, of course, in addition to the framework, they developed an 80-page playbook that's effectively a virtual health how-to guide. It outlines virtual care's own 12-step program to help physician practices create virtual care programs. And it literally takes a physician practice from helping them define what success looks like to scaling a successful program. I mean, it's really a piece of art. And, you know, frankly, I think the AMA put a lot of work into this and really thought through where it's happening well today because they had to get on the right side of this. And this framework and playbook are their effort to give physicians their best shot at evolving with the industry. Had yeah, no shortage of guidance there. Dave, anything to add to Julie's comments? Well, I really like the observation that the AMA is trying to get ahead of the curve and really have physicians embrace the health tech that's coming instead of fighting it, because that gets it, I think, the heart of the issue. You know, it's not enough to just have the data and the technologies and the analytics. You have to also have people that know how to use the data and get access to it. So the organizational structures use it to the fullest advantage. We learned this in the Iraq war with the whole team of teams approach where central command moved from a very hierarchical way of processing data because they were actually losing the battle to one where they had a standard meeting every day at 11 o'clock and pushed out all the information to frontline troops and then gave them the accountability to act on that information in real time. And in these types of dynamic environments, and that's certainly true in healthcare, we need to have that same approach that we need to get the information to the people who need it in real time with sufficient guidance that they can make better and better decisions that will lead to better and better health outcomes. So if the AMA is on board with that, more power to them. Got it. Thanks, Dave. Now let's talk about ONC's Interoperability 2030 initiative. Julie, what is the ONC doing and why is it doing it? Well, Dave, this is actually a fun one. The ONC is effectively collecting input from health IT leaders about what we should be doing over the next decade, what we aspire to do based on interoperability capabilities. And they're calling that Health Interoperability Outcomes 2030. They're seeking public input on what interoperability outcomes we should be shooting for over the next decade, and they plan to publish a prioritized set of what we as a nation seek to achieve that aligns with their interoperability vision for the nation and their 2020 to 2025 federal health IT strategic plan. So I think what they're really doing is trying to take some of the groundwork that they've laid and the roadmap that they put together and tied to it what the industry wants to accomplish. Big vision. So over the next few months, healthcare leaders are encouraged to submit these aspirational and achievable outcome statements. And a first in my entire 15 plus years working with ONC, this one's actually funny. They use the word snarky in anticipation that they're going to get reactions about just the aspirational nature of this and, you know, their timeline being so long. And they also suggest the industry think of this as interoperability mad libs with their fill-in-the-blank suggestions. So they say, tell us this. 
because of interoperability blank before or by 2030 or because of interoperability before or by 2030 who will do what so they give examples like because of interoperability faxes are no longer used in clinical care before or by 2030 that to me sounds like a great aspiration another example is because of interoperability before or by 2030, everyone that is part of a care team will have accurate, up-to-date clinical information prior to providing care. Sounds a little wishy-washy to me, but it sounds like a great med lib. So I guess at this point in our 20-something year interoperability journey, might even be 30-something year at this point, it helps to have a sense of humor. Health IT med libs, who would have thunk it, right? That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Dave, when you look at these three initiatives collectively, what are they trying to achieve? Can they foster digital health innovation without killing it? You know, it's it's so easy to be cynical, particularly when Julie was pronouncing the name of the ONC initiative. How many syllables, right? But I, I do think 2030 is the right time frame. And when you think about the massive advances in digital tech, which these three reports address, but also in the ability to apply genetic information, not only to new cures and preventions like vaccines, but potentially to identify disease much, much earlier than we currently can, almost pre-pre-disease markers. I think by 2030, we can be looking at a fundamentally different healthcare ecosystem that uses all this data and knowledge to personalize care delivery and shift the balance away from almost exclusively focused on treatment to as much on prevention and health promotion. And the process of how we get there is probably going to be messy. We were joking earlier about mental health apps. Seven Wire has a report out there that there are over 100 in the marketplace right now, and they're driving managers in HR departments crazy trying to figure out which ones to use. But that's the way markets work. When they properly function, they find the fittest solutions while enabling constant innovation. This occurs through individual bottom-up purchasing decisions that inform and send signals between buyers and sellers. Companies can't expect to receive premium prices for commodity products and services. And through this kind of almost mysterious process of individual HR directors and others making healthcare purchasing decisions, this, this will sort itself through. There are two things I love about capitalism. One is it's possible for entrepreneurs to create something from scratch. And, you know, I believe that's among the highest forms of human achievement. But then secondly, for companies to succeed, they have to convince someone else to buy what they're selling. And that's really hard to do. It forces companies to get in the heads of their purchasers and try and figure out what problems they're trying to solve and solve them in a way that people are willing to pay for it. So I think what these reports all have in common is trying to set a framework with standards and priorities and guidance that enables the market to push forward in a consistently progressive way and not to get distracted by having, you know, like in the old days in New York City, different types of subway cars going to the same destinations. We want to have uniform standards so we can really allow innovation to flourish. So 
the end of the day, the companies that figure out how to offer value and really push forward these unbelievable advances in technology and genetics and so on will be the ones that, that win. And I think it's entirely possible that healthcare in 2030, which is why I like the date ONC has chosen, will be more different than healthcare in 2020 than healthcare in 2020 is between healthcare and 1920. Healthcare in 1920 was still hospital-centric, physician-centric, disease-centric, almost entirely fee-for-service. I think it'll be very, very different 10 years from now. Got it, Dave. Julie, anything to add to Dave's comments? Well, I'm just reflecting on the fact that you know, we've been talking a lot today about major industry associations, federal agencies, and how they're looking at this. And if you just look at where the market is and what some of Dave was just talking about, you know, we have companies and apps out there and solutions that are promising to manage diabetes, reverse type 2 diabetes, improve sleep in a material way that affects your health, monitor heart health, encourage weight loss, track whether patients are sticking to whatever regimen they've been prescribed, be able to address our mental health tsunami. Like we have so many promises out there in the market today. And a lot of it relies on interoperability, as ONC is trying to tie together. So much of it relies on integration of our physicians today. And as Dave said, not physician-centric, but integration in ways that we don't have today around the consumer. So things are coming together in a really great way, but the market is definitely speaking. And when you look at what's happening in the private markets, the huge wave of digital health companies is overwhelming a lot of customers out there, whether it's all the different point solutions that employers are being pitched every day or, you know, frankly, same thing happening to health plans. And I think what you're seeing is health systems are getting smart because they have to. They have to either figure out how to make more money or figure out how to cut costs. And Health plans and employers are trying to figure out how do we platform? We need more platforming. We need fewer point solutions. We believe the market will suss itself out. And some of what we talked about earlier in this podcast today is going to come together with what's happening out there in the real world. Yeah. The shakeout's coming. It's coming. Hey, if they can get my heart rate apps to work better, I'm all for it. All right. Now, as always on the Roundup, let's talk about next week. Julie, what's on your healthcare news radar now? What we haven't talked about at all today has what's been in the headlines, which is looking for new arms to vaccinate. And I think we're going to keep hearing federal pivots, creative solutions to getting more shots in arms. Yeah, Dave, what are healthcare types all talking about next week? Well, on the vaccination front and the COVID front, I'm a little bit worried that this new strain out of India that has led the CDC to up the travel restrictions for Britain and other countries in Europe could come to the United States. And to the extent that people aren't getting vaccinated, we could have another spike in infections from an even more virulent strain of COVID. So we all have to stick it to COVID together, right? Right. Keep wearing those masks. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. You also can find a recording of this podcast and all our podcasts on the Healthcare Now Radio Network, iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.